And it's time for the OR, the Ottawa Report with Amanda Connolly, political reporter with GlobalNews.ca. Amanda, to say that this is a busy week in Ottawa is pretty much an understatement. There are stories and uh, new pieces of information breaking um, to the minute here. And I want to touch on something that you... Uh, wrote for globalnews.ca. The House of Commons about to use a power it hasn't invoked on non-MPs in more than a century. What's that power and what are you talking about? Yeah, well, it has certainly been a week up here. You know, we, we have a name for this season in Ottawa. We call it silly season because everyone is just pushed to the max. It is crazy. Everyone's tempers get a little bit short in the house, which of course makes for uh, some really fun journalism for this, those of us who are paid to uh, to watch all of this and write about it. So yeah, we certainly saw that this week with uh, that, that piece of news that you mentioned there. What we're seeing is uh, tempers really flaring in the House of Commons over the question of what happened at the Winnipeg uh, National Microbiology Lab, specifically why two uh, scientists were marched off the property there uh, in 2019. We really don't know what's going on here. And so the government has basically been ordered to present the documents about that case to the Canada-China Committee. They've not done that. They have instead tried to give them to the National Security Committee of Parliamentarians, which is a little bit like uh, some of the oversight committees that you see in the U.S. south of the border, where they evaluate all of these top secret things and their classified uh, classified clearances and that. But that is, uh, I suppose, it's it's really becoming a fault line in the House. And so we saw a motion passed yesterday that effectively uh, finds the government in contempt of parliament for refusing to hand over those documents. And along with that, it also calls on the president of the Public Health Agency of Canada to come effectively to what's known as the bar in the House of Commons. It's literally a very long brass bar that runs along the inside of the chamber uh, to receive a formal reprimand from the Speaker of the House of Commons. We have very rarely seen this used in the past. It's happened maybe twice for MPs since 19, uh, the early 1900s and for people who are private citizens, so not MPs, this hasn't been used since 1913. So we're looking at nearly 110 years um, that this, this has not uh, been used. And now, of course, we're looking at it happening in the context of this very contentious, very heated discussion about uh, the Winnipeg lab and the security there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, O'Toole apparently pulled his conservative MPs from a national security committee, I'm hearing. Um, he is alleging a liberal cover-up related to COVID-19. This is a big deal uh, because, you know, we know that uh, the Americans are investigating uh, whether this was a lab leak out of Wuhan, China. And these two people that were fired in Winnipeg, they were, uh, one of them at least, was responsible for shipping two very infectious diseases from that lab in Winnipeg to the Wuhan Institute. Yeah, this again, this this really is very contentious because it touches there on a lot of the, the things that you're talking about. It's national national security. It's um, questions about security of of vir- viruses and research, uh, which we know, of course, have have come up um, during the course of this pandemic as well. And so we saw this week, as you mentioned there, Aaron O'Toole saying that conservative members on that national security committee will no longer participate in that. He said in the House of Commons that they were being withdrawn. Um, I have spoken to a conservative source who's saying that basically they, they are being um, pulled back and not participating until those until or unless those documents are shared. So they're not formally being necessarily yanked off of the committee or a pledge that conservatives will no longer ever sit on that committee. We're really seeing again this uh, the, the pressure, the conservatives trying to add pressure to the government about 
those documents and trying to get those records mm -hmm. to have a clearer sense of what is going on here. Uh, this committee is has been uh, contentious for a number of years now. I covered the creation of it about three, four, uh, almost five years ago now. Um, and, and it's been contentious from the get-go, mainly because it's not a committee of parliament. It is not, um, it, it is, it basically lives kind of within the prime minister's realm of um, control here. It is a creature of the prime minister's office rather than a creature of parliament. And that's really been very contentious ever since it was first being proposed, because it's not how you see those things run in other countries like the US that have similar, um, more active models. This is really an after the fact review. It's not designed to do kind of live ongoing um, assessment as these things are playing out in real time. Can we um, shift our attention to another contentious subject? It's the um, expiry of uh, on the 21st of this month of that border closure. Like, are we going to see the reopening of the American border on the 21st? of this month, which is Monday, or, um, you know, are we going to see an extension of the border closed down? Do we know what's going on between that Canada-US border? Yeah, we're actually watching for an update on that, uh, potentially in about an hour, uh, hour and a half right now. So we're watching for uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to speak at about 11.15 today. And um, the kind of anticipation or the thinking is that he could be addressing at that time the any, any update on the plans to reopen that border. We've heard over the over the course of the last week a number of times now that the government is going to be rolling out the details of their plan to introduce this kind of phased reopening of the border. It's not necessarily going to open on June 21st, but if that order expires, but we're hearing that they will at that time kind of reveal the plans to begin opening it. And we know that that's going to focus on fully vaccinated people. Um, again, that that is what we've heard a number of times from Trudeau, from our transport minister as well, that really that focus for people who've received both doses of a vaccine is those Let's who will likely be the first to see any kind of relaxing here. And what about any news on um, uh, vaccine passports? Yeah, that's part of what we're watching for as well today. We know that the Prime Minister had a conversation with the Premiers last night. It was supposed to last roughly about an hour, uh, ended up going about two and a half hours, which I guess you could say maybe a good sign, maybe a bad sign, depending on uh, on kind of where you're uh, optimistic or pessimistic on that. But that's part of what we're watching to see here is, is, is there going to be a plan to check the vaccination status? What happens, for example, with people who may have gotten a vaccine in a country where that vaccine um, is using, or sorry, where the country is using vaccines that aren't approved in Canada. So we're looking to see kind of indications of how they're going to standardize these rules and these measurements for who is going to be at lower risk or deemed safe enough to come into the country. So all of that really is what we're watching for uh, at 11.15 and again at noon with a press conference with uh, public health officials too. So certainly a big day here in Ottawa. Speaking of risk, let's talk about the risk. Um, government officials, at least the uh, NASI, is trying to mitigate your risk of, against uh, the Delta variant. So they've updated their recommendations. They're now saying if you received your first AstraZeneca shot, uh, the next shot, the preferable shot, would be mixing it with an mRNA vaccine. Uh, Dr. Tam said the aim is to mix and match. But if you can't and you're offered the AstraZeneca, go ahead. That's fine, too. It are people on, on the Hill as confused as the rest of us now? And is there frustration about the lack of uh, continuity when it comes to vaccine messaging? Yeah, I mean, people on the Hill, I mean, we're, we're all trying to get our vaccines too, right? So we're, we're in the same boat as really 
um, every other Canadian right now who is trying to make the best decision that they can make based on the information that we have in front of us, which is uh, shifting and can be really confusing at times. And so we did see these rules shift or the, the guidance here, I won't say rules, uh, shifting a bit this week again, as we're seeing kind of these on, these ongoing conversations around um, what do you do if you've gotten a first dose of one vaccine, but now either can't get or are being advised not to get a second dose of the same one. So really a lot of confusion here. Um, but I think that the, the kind of overarching message that we're seeing is that overall, all of the vaccines that are approved here in Canada are safe, are effective, uh, and that people who, who have gotten, for example, two doses of AstraZeneca should not be feeling that they have gotten a lesser uh, or less effective vaccine. These are all still, we're hearing from, from public health officials, highly effective, but they are now saying again, that if, if you've gotten that first AstraZeneca dose, um, going for an mRNA vaccine is, is seeming like it might prompt a stronger immune response. The question I think going forward here too, is going to be for people who've gotten a first dose of either a Moderna or a Pfizer, are they going to be able to mix and match as well down the road? There's been a little bit of kind of um, unclear guidance around that so far. And that's really part of what we're hoping to get some additional clarity on going forward. We're hearing a bit of that, but whether it trickles down to providers as well, given mm -hmm. some of the supply issues that we've seen, given some of the distribution challenges across the province, uh, that will be, I think, a big issue going forward too. Okay. Speaking of confusion, let's touch on this very quickly before I let you go for the weekend. What the heck is going on with the Green Party? Where are they at right now? Anna Mae Paul uh, was fighting for her job. Is she still fighting for a job? She's uh, decrying there's uh, racism and sexism going on. Um, where are we at? Yeah, this this is odd. Um, th this is one of those cases, I think, where you know we, we often say when, when you look at a party and the party is spending more time um, talking about internal battles than they are talking about their policies and their proposals for Canadians, it's not a good sign. Um, we saw, we certainly saw those criticisms raised uh, about a year ago when Andrew Scheer was embattled as leader of the Conservative Party. We saw it uh, years ago with the Liberals too, when they were having a lot of infighting. And now we seem to be seeing this playing out with the Green Party too. It's, it is uh, certainly a, um, a very interesting one to watch. We saw Enemy Paul, the leader of the Green Party, uh, make some comments about Christian Freeland this week about Justin Trudeau accusing them basically of being uh, trying to undermine her leadership because a Green MP crossed the floor to join the Liberal Party. Uh, I would just kind of add here, it's not unusual for MPs to cross the floor. This has happened. Uh, this happens certainly not all the time, but it's it's very much not unusual. And so uh, this really has, I think, seen a lot of eyebrows raised as to why their response is happening this way, why um, Paul is choosing to go after Trudeau as opposed to uh, some of the people in the party that she's being questioned about. Uh, and also really about these, these accusations about Christian Freeland. Paul called her Trudeau's female shield, said shame on Freeland for supporting the Green MP. Another woman who chose to cross to the Liberal Party, Freeland basically came back saying, look, um, she, she is a feminist. She is going to support other women in politics who want to make informed decisions for themselves. And that criticizing another woman for doing that is not feminist behavior. So certainly some, some heated words on both sides mm -hmm. here and a lot of questions being asked about um, what happens next for Paul. Well, uh, Amanda, I want to thank you for running through all of these uh, headlines for us and these stories getting a little bit more uh, 
you know, into the ins and outs of exactly what's going on. Because what people don't know behind the scenes is I basically lo- just lob questions at you uh, willy nilly. And you are always so ready with the uh, the answer. There's nothing there's no notes. You're just working. You're free forming here. So I appreciate you being so flexible and, and just being so knowledgeable and joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure. Oh, well, it's a pleasure for me as well. It's always great to talk to you, and uh, that's, that's part of the fun of it, right, is just talking about this stuff. Absolutely, and you make it uh, easy to digest. So have yourself a good weekend. Amanda Connolly, political reporter for globalnews.ca. Dave Bradley joins us with a Global News Update next. <laughs>